from KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD, this is the Real Psychobabble Podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Ro. And welcome to the Real Psychobabble Podcast, Season 4, Episode 5. We have a very exciting show today, something that is a topic we are well-versed in. I know there's, you know, we like to say we're, we're experts in some things, not in others. I feel like we, we're more in tune with today's topic than maybe some other ones where we need to bring in people who are, who are more smarter than us. <laughs> more smarter. <laughs> exactly. Just like that. Um, so this, I'll, I'll do a little intro to like why I, I thought we should cover this because I had an experience recently. Uh, so I work at a rehab hospital. I am, you know, even though with COVID going on, we're still providing services in person because it's a hospital and people are there. Uh, and what's really unique about the COVID times is mask wearing, which for, you know, psychological services is really interesting because one, it just makes communication a little bit harder, and it makes, you know, a lot, a lot of what we do when we work with patients is, you know, read body language and assessment and assess, yeah. under, like, understand how body language, you know, someone might say that they're fine, but, you know, they're frowning or they their face is doing something that indicates, you know, an, an emotional experience is happening. And that's been really challenging with mask wearing because you can't see half their face. <laughs> and so I just... It kind of took me down this rabbit hole of thinking about emotional intelligence, the topic of today, and you know why that that is such an important you know part of the the human experience, and how you know recent in recent weeks I've really had to lean into some of my emotional intelligence skills because of you know the challenges of of working with people while they're wearing things like masks. So today's topic. Emotional intelligence. Yeah, that's actually really interesting that you're going that route too, or that's kind of like the rabbit hole that you went down to think about this episode. Because, I mean, we often work with emotional intelligence with some of the uh, youth that we work with with the bullying intervention program, Dr. Mm-hmm. Swire's program, and um, it's oftentimes uh, uh, a part that people don't think about: teachers, educators, parents, kids, right? But for me, like emotional intelligence is like probably the most important thing you can focus on when working with youth. I always tell people like you could be you could have a kid who is like the smartest person in the world, but if they don't have a grounding on why they're feeling or how they're acting and why they're like kind of stemming from, then usually that that intelligence, that traditional intelligence that we think of IQ, right, and the things mm-hmm. that they're doing, kind of just goes through the the backside and it never really comes to full fruition because I think it's like of a balancing act, right? So I'm really excited to talk about this episode. So I can't wait to see what you have in store for us today, Cody. So yes. So I'm going to start with a little, little, uh, warm up activity here before we, you know, dive into what emotional intelligence is and, and why it's important, how we teach it, et cetera. So I'm going to start with an activity. Um, so I know we might get to a, a an intervention called zones of regulation, and yeah, yeah. I, I adapted an idea from that, which is this scale. And I'll, we'll post a picture of this because um, we're actually going, going to fill it out live, quote unquote, <laughs> live right now. So for our babblers, I'll, I'll I'll paint the picture here with some words. So imagine a 
a grid, an X and a Y axis, and that grid is divided into quadrants. Mm -hmm. And on one axis, we have energy, and the other axis, we have pleasantness. And so I want you to think, and we can do this like Dora the Explorer style. So babblers, I want you to think about how pleasant you are feeling right now. And really what that means is kind of the psychological state that you are in. And I want you to think of it in terms of a, a number uh, a number line, a scale here from negative five to positive five or just five. So from the worst maybe you've ever felt to the best you've ever felt. So we'll, we'll uh, walk through this too. So Raul, thinking of pleasantness, where do you think you're at on that scale from negative five to five? Like how pleasant am I to be around other people? <laughs> no, just what's like, how are you like, feeling good or bad? somewhere in between right now? What's your psychological state, that's, if you had to put a number on it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm, I'm going to give the, the background knowledge that we are going to match for internship on Friday. So I don't feel like I've been very pleasant. I don't feel very pleasant right now. Okay. So I'd probably say negative three. Negative three, yeah. all right. I don't feel like the best me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, hey, that's completely fine. But, so. you know, like I say, if you can name it, you can tame it. If yeah. you can identify it, that's okay. Yeah. 100%. It's okay to feel anywhere on yes. your emotions, Yeah, right? there's, there's no good or bad feeling. Nope. Feeling is feeling. That's important. Yes. That's important. Um, so then the next part of this is energy. So, you know, outside of the psychological state you're in, how are you feeling in terms of energy? Are you really awake and alert? Are you really excited? Are you tired? Do you feel a little slow today? I'm sluggish. I'm like a negative two. All right. So yeah. negative two for Raul on energy. I think for me, I would say for pleasantness, I'm at like maybe like a, a two. And then for energy, I've got a good night's sleep. I've had probably way too much coffee this morning. So I would say I'm at like a four. You're jacked. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hype. I always get hype when we, when we get to come to the studio and, and talk about science and psychology. <laughs> well, it's funny because like I'm usually not like this too. I'm just – I've been – Really anxious about this match. So I'm, I know I'll probably be like in the blue-yellow zone. Mm -hmm. Do you talk about the colors? Yes. So then we also have colors, and this will make sense when you see the picture that we'll post on social media. So go check that out. But if you think of or you're picturing in your mind this uh, these quadrants, so if you have, you know, you're positively and on the positive side for pleasantness, you might be in the in the green area. If you're positive for pleasantness and energy, you might be in the yellow area, like, you know, being really excited about something. If you are in the negative side for pleasantness, you might be in the blue. And if you're negative in the pleasantness and negative in the energy, you're definitely in that blue zone. And then for uh, the red zone, the last area of our quadrant, if you are, you know, in the positives for energy, but you're in the negatives for pleasantness, like maybe you're really angry. So you have a lot of energy about it, but you're feeling down. Uh, you'd be in that red zone. So zones are the the colored zones are just helpful for organizing the way we think about it, think about our emotional state, and then we'll lead to this next part. So hopefully, babblers, you you have thought about where you're at on that scale. Maybe you've identified what colored zone you're in. And now I want you to think. I'll give you three seconds. Again, Dora the Explorer style. So I'll pretend that. You know, you're participating here with us. In three seconds, think of the best word that describes how you feel right now. Okay. Raul, do you have a word that describes how you feel right now? 
Yeah, sluggish. Sluggish. I said it earlier, but yeah, sluggish is mine. All right, so kind of tying it back to a little bit of the energy, feeling a little tired. Tired. Perhaps low. up too late last night. Who knows? <laughs> um, was that was it difficult for you to find that word? No. Okay. But I mean, I would say that I'm very well versed in in deep diving into my emotions because I do it pretty often. Yeah. If you would have asked me ten years ago, I would have known. Yeah, and that that I think leads nicely to really what what we're talking about today. So, babblers, if you had difficulty coming up with a word in those three seconds. Um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, we in general, speaking in averages here, we don't get a lot of training and experience in, in diving to our emotional side of our lives. And a, a really, you know, good way to think about this maybe is, let's say you're someone who's really into wine. I like wine. Wife of the show likes wine. We have some wine sometimes. So if you're thinking about wine... And you're someone who is, is a wine drinker. Maybe you are not like a sommelier, but you can identify, you know, a, a dry wine, a red from a white. You can identify, you know, maybe the different taste of grapes and the, and the different tasting notes that uh, come with, you know, different different types of wine. So you're someone who has a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience around something, and there's kind of a vocabulary that comes with it. You know, something is dry or something is bold. Something is really tannic, you know, all these words that describe different types of wine. So you've had some training and experience. You have the vocabulary that goes around uh, the concept to be able to talk about it. Now, think about if you're someone who's maybe never had a glass of wine before, or maybe you've just had a little bit of experience. Maybe you could, like, tell if something is red or white if you were tasting it blind, but you probably couldn't tell us, you know, the grape or where it's from or or the tasting notes. And so if you think about emotional intelligence, it works in that way where emotional intelligence has to is a product of learning and experience and practice. And if you don't have a lot of that work done in your life, you might have found that it was difficult to come up with a word to describe your emotions in just a, a quick three-second time frame. So now I want you to think, and Raul, you can jump in here and answer this too, Think, you know, maybe you did come up with a word. Maybe it took you a few more seconds. Maybe you've decided that word now at this point while I'm still talking. Think about why you feel that way. What is the the reason you feel whatever that word is that's in your head right now? And I would also say if you can't think about that or you can't identify it readily, that's okay. Like sometimes we don't know why we feel the way we feel until we have to go through some barriers for that. When I'm working with youth, I'm like, Naming it's the first part. Naming the feeling, naming the emotion you're feeling is really important. Um, but knowing why you're feeling that way can be really, really hard and difficult. And and that's okay. It's really okay. This is this is if this is new to you, then we we good. We'll figure we it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um like for me, for instance, um I said I was sluggish. I feel like I haven't been getting good sleep, for instance, where Cody's Cody's more on a set schedule because he's got wife of the show and baby of the show. Yeah. My life and, falls apart if I'm not on yeah, schedule. Like he's got to be on that schedule. And I think having that routine can be really helpful sometimes. But for me, I don't have a baby of the show or a wife of the show. <laughs> so I've got a little bit more liberties to kind of do what I do. And, you know, being anxious with the match day coming up, I know that um, it's very natural. I know that it will pass. 
um, I'm giving myself some opportunities to feel sluggish and tired and kind of sift through my emotions because I know come Friday, everything's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what, it's gonna be okay. I'll know. I'll know the answer. Yeah. So the 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 anxiety right now, the the having to foresee what's gonna happen is like the worst part of it. So that leads to a lack of concentration, lack of sleep, lack of motivation. Um, but I'm still able to get things done. So you know, it's just. Yeah. It's just knowing that it's happening, it's going to pass. And that, that's helpful for me. Yeah. And usually, you know, if you, you know, maybe for our babblers listening, you had a harder time coming up with the word, but an easier time coming up with, you know, the reason, you know, maybe you feel bad and it took you a while to get to that point, but you can identify, you know, you didn't sleep well last night or, you know, you just got a, a difficult assignment at work, whatever it may be. So sometimes it's easier to figure out, you know, why you're feeling that way. But again, that's, all part of emotional intelligence. And then the last two questions, and, and we can jump to our, our definitions after this, but just think about how you are expressing this feeling. So if you are feeling maybe excited or nervous, how are you expressing that? What does it look like for you? How does it look different if you are nervous versus maybe your spouse or your best friend? Because you know the way that we express these emotions can look differently across people. And then Maybe depending on how you feel, if you're in maybe a, a blue zone and you want to get to a green zone, you know, think about what strategies you're going to use or what strategies you need to be taught how to use to, to get to a desired mood state if you are in a zone or in a state that is uh, not where you want to be in the moment. And that's really kind of a, a dynamic look at emotional intelligence. So with our little door, the Explorer exercise coming to a close here. Think about, think about those things, reflect on them. Hopefully, you know, you have some, some good content, some good ideas to, to get the, the brain juices flowing as we jump into some of the more academic things about emotional intelligence. So brief little history thing I found. Uh, emotional intelligence as a term uh, first appeared in 1964. But really, the work on emotional intelligence was first started in 1990 uh, through a couple of uh, academics at Yale, who actually, they have a Center for Emotional Intelligence at Yale, and that is all they research. So um, they would be the people who, if you want to know a little bit more about what we're talking about today, go check them out. Yeah, I think Mark Brackett is Mm -hmm. heading that right now. Um, And it was cool, actually. I guess you got to write... uh... I was fourth author on a paper with Sue and Meredith and Mark. Oh. Dr. Brackett. Yeah, yeah it's cool. But I, I went this deep dive on Mark Brackett because he's like totally looking at the things I'm I'm interested in. And he's the one who first told me, if you can name it, you can tame it kind of thing. Like I saw it in his video and I've really just like taken that since my year one in the PhD program over here. And he's got some really cool stuff on YouTube. So yeah. check out Mark Brackett. Yeah. And then uh, I think emotional intelligence as an idea came to to pop culture with a book by Dan Goleman in 1995 titled Emotional Intelligence. And I think that's when it became, you know, not just a, a thing we talk about in psychology, but, you know, it's it's something that is talked about in the business world and in human resources and, and really across the board, emotional intelligence is a, is a part of, of our society now. So, Roel, can you give me, you know, what uh, what a working definition of emotional intelligence is. I know we've talked 
different parts about it, some some applied ways to to think about emotional intelligence, but what is it really? Yeah, I mean, I think people look at it differently, but I think the more common definition that I've heard is, you know, the capacity to be aware of control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Um, when we talk about emotional intelligence, we think about five components generally, um, and that would be self-awareness, uh, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. So it really is kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different things that isn't one. And you can really, you know, it's funny, and I, th I think a lot about like the TBIP that we do, again, kind of bring this back to Dr. Square's uh, intervention program. Um, but the, the youth we work with um, who are referred because they're perpetrating bullying behaviors typically have some sort of deficit in one or more of those areas, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think self-awareness is probably one of the bigger things. And I think that's where the name it, tame it kind of, Thing that I use a lot is really just so fundamental being able to identify what's going on you know yeah because if you don't know what's going on you have no way and you don't even know how to kind of intervene so identification is one of the most important things and that that's that self-awareness right yeah self-regulation can take years <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the hard part right yeah. yeah I don't think you achieve all of these different pieces of the emotional intelligence puzzle at once yeah or maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, motivation, like, shit. Like, if you're feeling low, I mean, what do you do, you know? Yeah. You can find ways to kind of work with that, and sometimes nothing works, right? Um, and then empathy and social skills, those things are still things that, you know, are perfect for therapy to mm -hmm. work on in a therapeutic setting with someone who's trained. Um, and and we, we like to say, you know, early intervention prevention is the best way to go, especially if you have a youth who needs to help. Um, get them in early so they can do it. But that doesn't mean, and this is something that I've really realized as I've, I've trained later and I work with like adolescents and, and young adults is that you can still work on that now. There's yeah. never, it's never too soon to work on emotional intelligence, on your emotional intelligence. You can work, if you've never heard about this or you've never really thought about it at a really um, deep dive like we do, um, it's never too late to do this work. And I think that if you are able to focus on this, you will see... I would hypothesize that you would see uh, a nice um, increase in your wellness. Um, anecdotally, of course, right? We're not doing like some sort of like hardcore rating mm -hmm. system, right? But yeah. I think that you you would find that, you know, your life is going to be a little better just because you know what's going on. Yeah. And knowing's half the battle. Yeah. Well, and what's kind of interesting thing that's happening neurologically with development is that, you know, if you think, you know, the brain develops from back to front, so the temporal... And the frontal temporal lobes are, are really the last areas to become mature in, in the human brain. And so what's what tied to emotional intelligence is that just happens to be the same area that emotional intelligence occurs. And so if you think about, you know, our expectations for developing emotional intelligence, well, it just also happens that it's part of the brain that is the last to become mature. And so really... I mean, we're talking about, you know, into adulthood before that area of the brain is like, you know, fully founded, solidified. So this is an ongoing dynamic process, especially for youth, that can be really, really important. And I just to like organize around this. So this is basically the definition that you said uh, with actually this is from Mark Brackett. He uses the the uh, the acronym um, ruler. Yeah, yeah, he's got his ruler program. Yeah, yeah so yeah. recognizing emotions and self and others, 
understanding the causes and consequences of emotions, labeling emotions appropriately, expressing emotions appropriately, regulating emotions effectively. And I feel like, especially for uh, the expressing emotions appropriately, I feel like we've all been in situations where the, the phrase that comes to mind is like, read the room. Yeah. Like when someone who doesn't express emotions appropriately or comes into a situation where, you know, maybe it's a really sad moment that people are having, but then this person's like joking and excited and happy and like that they're just not able to effectively or appropriately adapt their emotions to the situation uh, has a lot to do with emotional intelligence. And the the ruler acronym from Mark Brackett is is a great way to to organize the definition we're talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. You had Mark Brackett pulled up. Yeah, and, yeah. It's meant to be. We know things. Yeah, we know we definitely. And, I, you know, we'll talk about different programs. And, like, there are some that are better than others. But I think as long as you're, like, working through something and using some sort of, like, there's the work's already been done. Don't reinvent the wheel, really. Right. So there's things out there that we can maybe highlight. And I don't know. The hard part about this episode when I was thinking about it was, are we talking to you know, graduate students? Are we talking to professionals? Are we talking to mental health? And I think this is more of like a a kickstarter to talking about this. So we will throw out different things that may be useful or not be useful. But yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I didn't even have the ruler program in here, but that's, that's a big thing. So Yeah. Well, and something else I was thinking about too, and this just has come up, for me more in in therapeutic work is, and I think one of the reasons why emotional intelligence is sort of elusive at times is it just does, it looks different for each person. Like bad for me is not the same as bad for you or angry or, or excited, whatever it may be. And so there's this idea of, um, this will be the, a jargon term for the day, but emotional granularity. <laughs> So there was a study I came across where I don't even know what that means. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I don't know what I mean. It's, it's it's the jargon, but it'll make sense in like thirty five seconds. Okay. Um, so in this study, they did the typical convenience sample of grad students. Had them, I think at the time um, it was like blackberries. So they had them record throughout the day their their emotional states on this blackberry, and had them you know come up with a word that describes how they're feeling at these different intervals. And what they found is, you know, people tend to use the same words, you know, going back to that idea that, you know, we have a vocabulary around emotional intelligence where we use words to describe how we feel. But words mean different things to different people. So, you know, common words that came up were angry, fearful, and sad. But when they had the the participants then go on to describe why, you know, going back to that question earlier, why they were angry, fearful, or sad, uh, it looked different for different people and even found that there were some experiences that made some, like one participant made them angry where the other participant had this exact same experience but didn't label it as anger. And so it, it becomes challenging when we work with youth, especially where emotional intelligence is still developing. And this happens all the time, especially in therapy where we get an answer like, oh, how, how are you feeling today? Uh, bad, good. But bad and good, like there's so much more to it yep. than bad and good, and uh, it, it becomes a, a unique challenge for yeah. for therapists to kind of work through identifying, you know, what is it's good, but what do you mean actually by good? Yeah, and that's a good point in terms of you know part of the in a therapeutic setting, one thing that we often do when we're talking about 
you know, social emotional intelligence is, you know, developing a vocabulary. So good is a nice umbrella term, but why is it good? Like what specifically is about it? Oh, I, and then you can do a deep dive into that or bad, angry, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you, you, you did a little bit of a zones and we can maybe inter- introduce a little bit more, talk about zones because I think it's one of my favorite programs that I've, I've used and I've been able to use both in like a major group setting and also an individual setting. But the premise of zones is that we have emotions that are all completely valid and they categorize a bunch of like vocabulary terms, different things. So like sad, bad, happy, mad, you know, excited, energized. And they put those into four different quadrants like Cody is talking about, right? There's the blue zone, which is typically lower. I think about it in terms of intensity of emotion, right? But they tend to be your lower ones, your lower emotions. So sad. Uh, depressed, you know, sick, those type of words, right? Uh, the next one is going to be the green zone. And in the green zone, that's the optimal space you ideally want to be in because you're ready to learn, you're okay, you're feeling good, you're happy, and you're able just to really be focused within this zone. The next one would be the yellow zone, which is really fun because I think I typically, I think most of us typically, tend to operate within the yellow zone. Mm-hmm. And this one has like a ton of things that it's funny when you talk to youth about this because they're like, oh, like they say like, I'm really energized and excited. And like, so I'm in the green zone. I'm like, no, you're actually in the yellow zone yeah. because you're kind of like, you're a little anxious. You're a little bit more higher intensity, you know? And that's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a bad thing, right? We're not, we're not labeling this as, as good or bad, right? Um, but you'll find some of those um, emotions within there. And then the major one is the red zone which is okay. I always tell the kids, is it okay to be in the red zone? They're like, no. And I'm like, no, it is. But this is like reserved for like really like if you're frightened or really angry, upset, mad, that will tend to be that. So it categorizes it within those four um, those four colors. And then you do some really cool stuff within there. Like, and the one thing you, you, you were talking about right now about different emotions, I was thinking about the zones across the day. They have this really cool thing where you map out your emotions across the day, right? Mm-hmm. And put them in different colors. But I like showing that to different people because even within yourself, like a different day may mean you're feeling a different thing. So you have a different things to do, right? Yeah. Um, or like what's happening with your day is going to be different than my day. And that's fine. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. When well, like it's uh, emotions are so dynamic and I mean, to like, to your point there, we could, you know, record this again tomorrow morning and I would be in a completely different zone because there's just so many factors that influence the way that we feel and the way we experience the world. And I think it's, it's funny because you think about like why so if you're listening up to this point maybe you don't work with youth maybe you're not in a in a helping profession field maybe you hate children i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but you might be asking yourself well why why would we want to teach emotional intelligence to kids like why should we spend time out of the the school day teaching on this topic why not focus on like whatever the math curriculum is now and that is just a probably a a hot mess but why Raul why should we focus on emotional intelligence I mean I I I hinted this earlier on the show but I mean I really do feel that and believe and have studied this that you know if if a person's center is not okay if you're not able to operate then we've known that you know, you're going to be functioning at a lower performance level, basically, mm-hmm. right? So there's studies that out that have shown that, you know, focusing on social-emotional intelligence 
improves academic performance, improves overall well-being, right? You're going you're gonna to be able to focus and do things. You know, I, I think a lot about like kids with trauma, you know, or just people with trauma, mm-hmm. right? And it's so easy to get out of a funk and, and to, to be deregulated, essentially. And from there, like, you know, your whole, your whole world comes tumbling down. So let's focus on that core part, which is yourself, your emotions. Let's identify it, and then let's work through that so we can start doing the things that we want to do, yeah. right? It really is a fundamental level. It's like, are you okay? Yeah. And, and, and I think that some people can maybe navigate that easier than others for a lot of different reasons, partly because they don't have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm I, kidding. Think, I think, it's, I think it's, it's harder for people. Like, they can move past that, but it does come out in some shape or form in your life. Yeah. And and let's talk about it. Let's, let's get through it, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and if you think about it, like. <laughs> I, I feel bad about saying not having a soul. Well, that, <laughs> you have a soul. That's, that's for them to figure out. It just doesn't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you think, like, maybe you're one of those people who doesn't, you know, interact with children a lot. Imagine you yourself, if you're at work and you're in the red zone. How effective are you going to be at working if you're angry? Yep. Are you going to be able to, you know, run those expense reports, crunch those numbers as well as you would if you were in the green zone or the yellow zone? Look at you bringing it back. Like, so if you think about it, how can we expect a child to effectively learn in a classroom environment, which is chaos at times, yeah. or the Zoom classroom environment, which is a different kind of chaos, if they're really angry or they're really frustrated or they're really upset or tired yeah. how can we expect a child to sit in a class and pay attention and learn for an hour without a break when they don't feel like their best self like it's it's just it's unrealistic and so i think people sometimes just don't connect the dots that like emotions like we're calling it emotional intelligence but emotions impact intelligence it impacts the way we experience the world it impacts the way we pay attention it impacts executive functioning it impacts literally everything because we are an emotional species and we can't just conveniently pack away our emotions unless you don't have a soul you know it's funny because i i used to kind of say like well kids need this really bad right so when i was a preschool teacher in seattle um back in 2010 um I found that a lot of my kids who were like two to three years old um, had a really hard time regulating the emotions. Can you go figure? They just couldn't yeah, get the shit wow. together, right? Those little, those little, those get little, it together. Those little guys. Um, <laughs> but as as I started finding ways and doing a deep dive in social emotional learning, coping skills, and stuff, I I taught them the skills that I was learning hands on, and I would find that I would actually use them more than they would because they were really. It was really hard working with two, three years who were just pissing and shitting all over the place and i love these kids dude. they're wonderful kids but you know they they were a handful and they were learning how to regulate like mm-hmm. it's not, that's just part of development right and i found that i was using them more and more and more as an adult or i guess a young adult at this no i was an adult and didn't feel like one though <laughs> and and i felt like wow this is so helpful so i really do feel like hopefully you're able to take away something from this episode or at least give it a, a nice little like Give it a 30-minute thought at least. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then I think we did our job. Is to yeah. See whether it's like for you or not for you, but I think it will be for you. But working with the youth and, and the kiddos at the preschool really taught me a lot about 
myself, to tell you the truth. And it made me realize how much I needed this. I could have used this as a kid. And, you know, in El Paso, Texas, we don't talk. And as a Latino male, right? Like, we don't talk about emotions. It's not okay. And that's the premise of my dissertation. It's the premise of what I'm doing. Like, we need to find a way to talk about this, you know? We think sometimes we conceptualize emotions as being vulnerable and being weak. And we're just like, oh, that's that's not for me. You know, that's not that's not what I should be doing because I need to be able to handle my problems. But, you know, the bravery part of it is handling your emotions and addressing it head on and being okay and being able to be not vulnerable. Not avoiding it. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or, or getting some of those as an adult, you know, the drinking or, mm-hmm. you know, the like suppressing everything and it comes out in some other form with yeah. your loved ones or so. Yeah. I mean, I really do think that this is such a fundamental piece of um, of of who we are as human beings that um, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, we haven't done more. There hasn't been more research on this since the 1990s. I mm-hmm. mean. Yeah, well, and, you know, and thinking about, like, okay, so here's a question we can speculate on. Do you think we, as a society, we, are becoming more emotionally intelligent? Do you think there's been any change over time? Um, I think we are, as a society, <laughs> I think we are, are barely scratching the surface of what this means because i think that when people start becoming more aware of their emotions the first thing i i feel okay i feel comfortable saying this i think one of the first responses that they want to feel is avoidance and to avoid it or to make excuses to not address the things that still need to get done and the purpose of doing this is so you get the things done that you need to get done right it doesn't have to be perfect but you still have to get follow through and i think holding oneself accountable is really a really tricky thing. So I don't I feel like right now as we talk about emotional intelligence, I think that we as a society are at the point where we're naming it right mm-hmm. now, but we're not finding ways to tame it and we're not being diligent enough to tame it. Yeah. Because I mean it's easy to like because seriously, if you find out, wow, I feel like a piece of shit today, the first thing you want to do is kind of recluse and, yeah. and avoid everything around you, which is mm-hmm. a natural response. Yeah. But the the idea of naming it is so that you can find ways to address it and get Get your shit done. Yeah. Well, think even about the language we use around things like grief or trauma. It's move on. I've moved on. Let's work on moving on. But we never like give ourselves the opportunity to like sit with those feelings and process them. We're already like, you know, even just saying move on is implying that we need to like leave, you know, that, you know, if it was a, a grief or a trauma or something like leave that behind. But you can't like that's just not that's not how it works, yeah. and so then you, like you were saying, you know, you by suppressing some of those things, it it comes out in in other ways like bad habits, poor coping mechanisms, like you know, drinking or staying up or whatever. Like there's, it's it's the same for kids too. You know, we always talk about when, especially for younger children, if you know you you flip through some pages of the DSM, you'll see that there are diagnostic criteria for mood disorders that are physiological symptoms, you know, things like nausea or headaches or feeling tired, low energy, you know, those are emotional experiences that are manifesting themselves as physiological changes in in a body. And so, you know, what we would do then is work on the, the emotional intelligence work there, 
you know, we're not going to treat the the nausea. We're not going to treat the headache, you know, take a Advil or a Tylenol, but, you know, to have that lasting change, that therapeutic impact, it's back to the emotional intelligence piece. No, totally. I think about two things when we're talking about moving on. I think about the Bob Newhart um, skit from, I think, Matt TV. Have you ever seen that one? No. So it's basically he's a therapist and this and this woman comes in and she says, you know, I'll solve your problems in five minutes. <laughs> so she's like, oh, my God, I'm feeling horrible because X, Y, and Z happens. And he goes, okay. And he, re- like, repeats what she says. She says, is that right? He's like, she's like, yeah. Okay, well, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? And he just goes, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> and it's funny because sometimes it's nice to hear that. And I think about my stop it voice is my dad. Like, my dad has always been really good about, like, talking to me about my emotions and and just really sitting with me in a way that's been really helpful because he he's always been able to give me a place where I feel validated but the ending message is stop it and get your shit done. Yeah. But but it's okay to feel this way, but get it done. And I feel like he, I I grew up with having that which was helpful. And it's funny because my if you knew my dad, my dad is sometimes not the best at doing this himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's I love my dad. Um, and sometimes I feel I feel like we we are we come after like the people before us. So like my dad models his behaviors, and mm-hmm. I feel I'm very much like him in some instances. Like I actually talked to him this week about you know like sometimes just I'm just so short tempered when I'm not feeling great, and I snip I snap at people, or I just feel like I I I can go from zero to ten real fucking fast. I've been cussing a lot this episode. Oh, I'm sorry, hey. people, but yeah. Um, but I I just move so fast, and it's like. Okay, I'm identifying that. So now, how do I address that? Right, yeah. and I feel like my dad gave me the foundation for looking at this, and then with my academic studies, I've been able to do a deeper dive into what it is. And now I use my skills with my dad, so we go back and forth. So, kind of pay it for right? Yeah, pay it back. absolutely. Yeah. Well, then maybe the last piece of the conversation then today is, you know, say we have some babblers who are, you know, educators, teachers. Maybe they have children. Of like that they work with or children of their own. If you wanted to teach, work on you know emotional intelligence skills, what are some resources? Where should we point people to to find out a little bit more about what to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say the first thing as a person who, for anyone really, but if you're working with youth or if you're talking to yourself really. Um, is to give yourself the opportunity to talk about these things throughout the day. Make it a part of your normal routine. Mm-hmm. Normalize it, right? Um, that is so beneficial. Like I talked about my dad being able to let me talk about my feelings and emotions and, and sifting through that. That is so valuable. And it seems like it's nothing, but like being able to be heard and feel validated, like, wow, what a special thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So so I would say pr- first provide that for your classroom, for your child, for yourself, Give yourself space to kind of work through this and just normalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would say is think about it in terms of like developmentally what is helpful. Because you know what? A lot of the skills that are really like fundamental core skills like deep breathing, right? Mindfulness things that we can think about um, are are used across different curriculums, but they're taught in a little different ways. Yeah. So so find something that's that's helpful and that's age appropriate. So one thing that I really like um is like Sesame Street has a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. They have a, their whole um emotional development department 
So you can go on there. But PBS is, as I'm thinking. Also, um, the Daniel Tiger is um, something that was developed from um, Mr. Rogers, hmm. Fred Rogers, yeah. and Daniel Tiger is basically kind of a whole kind of branch off of his stuff. And my brother told me told me that he uses that a lot with my nephews. Very cool. Um, so yeah, so Daniel Tiger is really cool. Sesame Street, PBS has some great stuff. Nickelodeon has some cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you brought up the Dora Explorer, but I think there's some earlier uh, shows that can maybe be a nice way to kind of talk about that later on. Like, yeah. Oh, we saw this. I, I think making it relatable is really mm-hmm. helpful or to to be able to say, hey, remember how like <laughs> my favorite my favorite kind of social emotional kind of pieces that Sesame Street does is uh, an episode with Cookie Monster and Tom Hiddleston. And <laughs> it's on um, uh, delayed gratification. <laughs> because oh, he, So Tom Hiddleston comes in and he's eating a cookie and Cookie's like, Oh, what do you have there? I smell cookie. He says, "Can I have it?" And he's like, "Tom Hiddleston's like, oh, I just made the association between the cookie and what your name is." He says, "No, you you can't have this because this is my cookie. But I'm sure if you wait, you will you you Ooh. you'll probably get some cookies." And it's it's a really cute two minute clip. But find a way to use other characters mm-hmm. to to sift through similar problems to the you know to the child you're working with yourself really. Yeah. But like. You don't have to necessarily name it. Hey, I noticed this about you. Let's address this. Oh, I noticed this the Cookie Monster. It will translate, right? Yeah. Um, you brought up the um, the zones of regulation um, curriculum, which mm-hmm. is I, I really really do like it. Um, uh, social thinking has uh, has some products that are really cool. Superflex is really big with like kind of you know uh, children and adolescents, maybe between I don't know seven to like fourteen. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to do maybe a deeper dive, you could go to the Castle website, castle.org, C-A-S-E-L.org, and they have a lot of great curriculums, and, and they kind of piece it out really nice. So those, that's kind of, an, I think, a nice mm-hmm. starter. You talked about Mark Brackett's ruler program, um, which is really cool. If you want to go, you could go to their, you know, the Nebraska uh, Bullying and Prevention, Intervention yeah. Prevention website. We have some cool stuff there that you can use. Um or just reach out to us if you have any more questions. Yeah. We can definitely give you some more stuff. But I think that's a nice kind of like early start in terms of what you want to do. Yeah, and I think too for anyone who's listening who has school-aged kids, it's likely that your school or your school district has a social-emotional learning curriculum. You know, if you think about homework, you're not really getting homework from the social-emotional curriculum. You're getting homework from math or science. So try and you know when you have that next PTO meeting talk with the the teacher or the teachers about what that curriculum is and what they're learning about social emotional intelligence related topics because maybe there's things that you can do at home that relate to it so that they're getting extra practice you know maybe there's books you can read or those videos that Roel mentioned where it ties to what they're learning at school and you're getting to do it at home doing it as a family uh, can really make a difference in in improving these skills and uh, having a new generation that's uh, very emotionally intelligent. So hopefully we we there's obviously so much we could talk further about emotional intelligence, but scratched the surface today a little bit, gave you some access to resources, some knowledge about what emotional intelligence is. Uh, if anyone ever, you know, laughs at you and says it's not important, now you know what to say and how to argue that this is a topic that is important that needs to be taught very early on in, in our lives and something that really makes a difference across the lifespan. So thank you for, for tuning in on our emotional intelligence talk. 
Now we're going to take a short break and come back with What About You, a week in review where we discuss things we are reading, watching, and listening to. Stay tuned. And we are back with this edition of What's New With You, a week in review. Is that is that what we call it's, it? It's not. But <laughs> I always mess it it's, up. It's the segment that uh, Roel never knows the actual name to, which is about things we are reading, watching, and listening to. So, Give it to me one more time. What's it called? What about you? A week in review. That was close. Which you came up with. I know. So, <laughs> what's up with that? It, it's been a, it's been a while. So, you yes. were talking about wine early in this episode. Yes. And comparing that, and all I could think about was one movie in my head that I don't think we've ever talked about. No. It's it's on Netflix. It's called Uncorked. Oh yeah, the we documentary about about, yeah. about the this wine is from. It's like when they do the the. They're naming out all of the things about it, the properties and yeah. the characteristics of the wine. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. Well, and then I think there's some, some other, maybe it's on Amazon Prime or maybe it's on Netflix called Som. And it follows, I think there's like one or two of them, but uh, they follow people who are trying to become sommeliers and like the process of them learning about the wines and like all the tasting they have to do and it's pretty graphic if you're someone like me and hates spitting because there is a lot of spitting because they just like they can they don't drink the wine because they're like studying it so they you know have a spit bucket put it in their mouth spit it out and then it's that's my my worst nightmare but yeah there <laughs> there there's a whole subculture there about about wine it's a cool tasting. movie though yeah it is yeah uncorked yeah check it out yeah give it or don't yeah. Whatever. What about you? Um, things I'm watching. Yeah. I don't know that we've talked about WandaVision yet. Oh, we haven't. Yeah, that's crazy. It's getting it's getting Yeah. I love it. It's yeah. cool. Do you know I I've been doing a lot of background reading around it too. So I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but they think that this is gonna tie together the the whole next phase of the MCU. Ooh. Um and the bad guy that they're saying is kind of at the helm of everything is, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up his name, so forgive me, all of you, comic book nerds. But I think it's Mephistos. He's like basically like the equivalent of like the devil in the MCU. Um, and he was actually, and <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because this is bad. Uh, but Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, right, the right. bad guy in Ghost yeah. Rider. Uh, that, Nick, that's, Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage. Nick Cage yeah. I think they're trying to scrap that from the MCU because yeah. it was so bad. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't realize that. I mean, it's been like 15 years since that movie came out, so I haven't thought about it. I didn't realize it was a Marvel movie. Yeah, no. Ghost Rider is a Marvel character. Yeah. Wow. So, but that's the bad guy who they're, I think they're going to basically redo and bring into the MCU, who's kind of controlling things, which is um, the, the kiddos, right? Uh, Wanda and Vision's kiddos. They have two sons. Um, are basically like demon spawns. Oh, fun. But that's in the comic book. I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen, but that's what people are speculating. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's on Disney+. Plus. Check it out if yep. you are into that kind of thing. It's kind of cool. Uh, I mean, you need to watch at least the first four episodes yeah. or at least to the end of the third episode because if you're not familiar with Marvel stuff, you might be kind of confused yeah. about what's happening. But Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there too, like... Um, a lot of like other characters come come into this. So from Thor and from Ant Man, from Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. 
it's it's really cool the way they're I think they're really just doing a nice job of building up the future of the MCU universe. So yeah, dude, <laughs> I finally saw a movie that you told me to watch, which was oh no, really really funny. Um, but mom and dad, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Nick Cage, Nick Cage, yeah, I thought about that. You said that, but uh, Nick Cage and Sama Blair, yeah. That what movie, a, what a weird movie, was hilarious, dude. Um, I'm glad you got to experience it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hot mess, but like most Nick Cage's movies, they're yeah. a hot mess. The premise is like there's like basically some sort of signal that um, triggers the reverse reaction of the parental instinct to protect, and it basically changes it to kill your yeah. kids. Yeah. So parents are just killing their offsprings left <laughs> and right. Um, it's a wild, wild yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, there's another movie I haven't seen yet, but I have uh, uh, a standing date with a homie of mine to watch. It's called Psycho Goreman. Oh, I think you would be all about this. What's What's it about? Uh, Psycho Goreman is about a killer alien who lands on Earth and is going to murder everybody. But he has this stone that's um, that basically controls him, and if he owns, if he has it, then he can do whatever he wants. But it's basically wielded by like a like twelve year old girl. <laughs> wow! And it just looks like it looks like super bad, crossed over with some like really shitty B movie. Oh no! Horror movie, and it looks phenomenal. What is it on? It's on. I think is it Shutter? Is that is that? Oh, right? it's like the horror kind of. Yeah, and I think you could buy it like on on any one of the other yeah. platforms. Uh, I think YouTube is how I was gonna purchase it, but yeah. Psycho Goreman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Find I think it. you're gonna be all about that. Yeah. yeah. I I love a, a like a B like crappy horror movie that <laughs> ends up being funny because it's so bad. Yeah, I think that there's like um, aliens, like this a- galactic alien federation that comes and says we need to deal with the real thing, and you think they'd be talking about Psycho Goreman, but they're actually talking about this twelve year old girl. <laughs> like this is the prime threat to our all existence, yeah. and this girl with this rock. And she's hilarious, dude. And it's kind of like it's totally like Gen Z kiddos coming in and nice. be like, "Okay, bye." Like, yeah. Give it okay, a give it a watch. Yeah. Cool. I, no, have you seen that whole thing about like Gen Z versus millennials? No. It's, there's just like why this are we whole, fighting? I don't know. I, it's not. They're just comparing. I don't think they're fighting. I don't yeah. think we're fighting. I don't really feel like a millennial. I don't know what I am. I feel like I don't have a. You're you're an elder millennial. Yeah, an elder. Yeah, it's weird. Oh. I mean, if you don't know what like Ninja Turtles are and you didn't watch it like real time, then I mean. Yeah. What are you? you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. You don't belong here. <laughs> you watch anything else? Um, there is a show on Netflix called uh, The Sinner. It's a it's an anthology sort of anthology where each season it's the same like it's a psychological thriller police procedural and each uh, season it follows the same cop through different really dark twisty uh, like I don't know crimes and murderous things and it has it's executive produced by jessica beale who is in the first season as sort of the main character of interest and then this season uh the third season which i'm watching now the main character of interest is matt bomer bomber bomer um famous actor heck of a jawline uh so uh yeah check that out if you are into psychological thrillers which i know i've talked at length on this show about so that's that's really what I'm watching. I've actually did a, a deep dive on like, and I don't even like true crime. You know I hate true crime, but I've been doing a lot of true crime stuff lately. There's this one, um, 
about the Zodiac Killer and how this guy thought it was his dad. It's on, oh, on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was really weird because he totally botches his own research. Like you go over thinking like, like, oh wow, this is his dad, and you realize that this guy is just really bad at research at yeah. the end of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so save yourself. It is. It's not his dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so I started it's Ted Cruz's dad. <laughs> it's, it is Ted Cruz's dad. Yeah. You should have known with that beard, right? Yeah. Eddie Munster. Yeah. Um, the other thing. Um, Watch the Night Stalker. On the, Netflix. That's the one with yeah. with Ramirez, right? Yeah, Richard, Richard Ramirez. Ramirez. Dude, yeah. that one I hated. That one I had so many nightmares after watching that because it's just so. It's like seriously, it's like like exhibitionism. Like, dude, they just show so many gory things in that that I thought yeah. was like it doesn't even talk about the story. You just see all the blood everywhere. I. It was very graphic. I yeah. hated that thing. Yeah, warning for yeah babblers if, if you watch that. But bit. my dad told me about it. Oh my god, because he he's from his like origins in our uh, from El Paso. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he's like, oh my god, yeah, totally. And you see, kind of how he had a really he did not address his social emotional awareness early on. <laughs> yeah, we and, should have put that in the yeah. first half of the episode. And and he uh, and he became a serial killer. So yeah. <laughs> no, it, this is it was really really whack. But you you get to see kind of like he had a really shitty childhood too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I I hated that, and then it went into some other true crime stuff. I just turned it off because I'm I'm done with true crime. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. What about are you reading anything? Yeah, so there is a book that I recently got. It's not heavy reading at all, but it's a children's book. It's called After the Fall: How Humpty Dumpty Got Back Up Again. Oh, beautiful! It is is by uh, Dan uh, I guess Satin S A N T A T, um, but it's basically just talks about like, you know, how Humpty Dumpty put himself back together again, and I think kind of in in theme with our our conversation about social emotional awareness, this book just really spoke to me. You know, like I I think we like to focus a lot on like all the successes we have and like oh my god we achieved like, you know we've done it all, but like what we don't talk about, which I've done a million times, is how many times we fall. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we've talked this a little bit, but like we do have an episode on failure. On failure, right? Why do we fall, Bruce? Yeah. You know, like so we learn how to pick ourselves up again. And I think it's just a really cool book that I really do plan on like integrating into my therapeutic work um, with anybody mm-hmm. across ages. Like, dude, let's read this children's book. Like, what are you talking about? But let's the the concept is just so fundamental, and it's a really fun way to talk about it through this traditional story about you know Humpty Dumpty cracking his crack getting some cracks getting, you know yeah. and find a way to put it back together yeah. so after the fall give that give that a give that a look yeah it reminds me I, I don't know i feel like i might have mentioned this in that failure episode uh and i don't know if it's still on netflix but there was a really cool documentary series called losers and because like we're both sports people um you know we always glorify the winners of all the championships and then you forget about who got second place yeah and so there's a really cool series uh, called losers that they follow it's across different sports from like ice skating to like olympians to like team sports people and just like what happened to them after they lost like the biggest event of their life yeah tanya hardy <laughs> yeah oh um, yeah well yeah, there, there's a few other things about her too. Um, <laughs> I Tanya. Yeah, but even I mean, think about like, I mean, this is what I feel so bad for you know people who are Olympians and and yeah. Tokyo being canceled. That like you know you you could spend your whole life training for like one moment, and if you falter in that moment, 
if you lose your chance at getting that gold medal, you might never get that chance again. Right. What happens to that person? What's their story? How do they recover? How do they, you know, find peace and how do they move on? Oh, use the word move on from <laughs> from a loss like that. And those are stories that I think are more interesting than stories of winners because we yeah. have centuries worth of those stories. Yeah. No, I think about Buffalo Bills fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um that's actually really cool. I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. Yeah. It's called Losers. I think it's called Losers. Hopefully it's still on Netflix and hopefully that's the name. I'll find it. Yeah. Don't blame me. Yeah. It's been a while. Um I am reading some things. I am reading a book, a uh memoir called Eat a Peach. It's written by a chef named David Chang and kind of sort of, it's like mental health adjacent. Um, He's a a famous chef restaurateur um, and it talks about like his journey as as an Asian American and and his journey through uh, as a struggle with with bipolar and and how he's kind of navigated the world and how he's built uh, an empire and, and a lot of more mostly about like his struggles and and how he's overcome them and it's it's a really fun read uh if you're into food or david chang or memoirs um i also finished and you'll laugh at this title but a book called the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires <laughs> uh it is a vampire book that is like a dark comedy but also kind of mystery thriller spin to it by uh, like a abraham lincoln vampire slayer or whatever yes yeah, it's, it's kind of like that like there's still a mystery and there's still like death and like things happening but it's also kind of funny at the same time um and it's written by david hendrix i think is his name um which was a fun read that i completed recently nice yeah and then lastly is listening I was talking to um, a friend of the show, Babbler Danielle, Shout um, out. from our program, and she was telling me how much she is a big Taylor Swift fan. So we went through this like she was telling me about all of her favorite Taylor Swift albums and songs in or- I guess in order. It's hilarious, but it made me think about my favorite TS album, which I will highlight now. But it's uh, actually not even by Taylor Swift; it's by Ryan Adams. Oh yeah. The 1989 mm-hmm. album that he covered, um, it's all recovers of T.S. songs, and uh, I, I I love that one. Yeah. And the other thing I've been listening to is the Doves. The Doves. The Doves. Never heard of the uh, Doves. They're 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 a throwback band. Um, reminds me of some happy days in my life, and uh, there goes the fear again. I think is a song you might know, but um, I love that song, and I love the memories it gives me. Um, from, from. A long lost love. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Well, it's funny you mentioned Taylor Swift because I have actually <laughs> written down <laughs> proof. Taylor, let me see, wait, let me see it. Taylor Swift's new, new albums, album, plural. Oh. Homegirl is like it's cranking them out. The, the most productive person in COVID quarantine right now. So she had um, Evermore. Willow came out. Whichever yeah, one came out. out. She has two new albums out in the last like five or six months which is crazy um but they were produced by like justin vernon and the people that he works with so it has who's justin uh, vernon? I don't know that is. bon iver oh uh, so it has okay. kind of a folksy yeah like you're lost in the woods kind of vibe to it which 
I'm all about, very like earthy yeah, and folklore. ethereal. Yeah, folklore and Willow. And, and, and Evermore. Evermore, yeah. I, it's Jesus Christ, I know nothing. But I've been listening to them all, um, and they're really good. There's some really good, fun songs on there, some nice uh, like featured things with Justin Vernon, with Haim. Um, so some some cool stuff on there. It's also one where, um, so I get like, when I put uh, Baby of the Show down for the night, I get like some time with her because Wife of the Show works 12-hour shifts. So we have like a little hour before bedtime where I'll play songs on the guitar and, and sing to her because I don't care what she thinks and she can't tell me that I suck <laughs> yet. So we're going to do that till she can voice an opinion about how bad I am at singing. And so we, we've been playing through some new Taylor Swift songs and she enjoys it. That is I sweet. That's very she hasn't sweet. told me that she doesn't enjoy it, so yeah. no, I'd be rolling with that. She is the most lovely little little human. She's probably my favorite little human right now. She she she's, she's, she's pretty, pretty great. She's pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I know we have. I don't think we've shared it yet this season, but we need to do our our, our playlist. Get some songs out there to the people because. I mean, the people are thirsty for the Psychobabble season four playlist. Yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> we're we're holding back from the people. We gotta yeah. give them what they want. Well, it's funny. I mean, this this season has been really unique because we've been working on dissertation and internship applications, which is what the match day is. So, for those of you who may not be familiar with um, a psychology PhD program, is like clinical psychology, school psychology, counseling psychology have to do, go through the, this really rigorous time where they're sending out applications and then they have to um, interview with different um, internship sites across the nation and then you rank order all of your all of your sites. And um, on February 19th, Cody and I will figure out like where we're going to be yeah. for the next year. Yeah. So it's a really stressful process. I mean, the whole process is really stressful. It's awful. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we were able to interview with some really great sites and – um, you know, I wish I could go to like all of them sometimes or like yeah. there's like I want all of this stuff and so you just get to go to one. So um, that's been really eating us up lately. But we've been really busy. So we haven't been kind of producing shows as, as regularly as we would like to. But I think now that that's come to an end, we'll yes. be a little bit more active. Yes. Another thing, do you want to tell them about the presentation? Yeah. So we um, recently submitted and were accepted to give a talk at if you are part of our local community here. Uh, the Nebraska School Mental Health Conference to talk about podcasting and community radio and how really podcasting as as a form of media can be used to start important conversations about mental health, to talk about things like what we're doing today with emotional intelligence and really use it as a way to teach and engage people. Uh, you know, podcasting is, is a great time for podcasting right now um, and a great way to connect listeners to people and information that they normally wouldn't. I mean, who's out there Googling and reading journal articles about emotional intelligence right now? None of you listening are. So this is why podcasting is a really good way to have that bridge between people like us who are doing this research and clinical work and people who are who are, are babblers who need this information or can use this information to improve their lives or improve the lives of others. So we get to really hype up uh, the podcast and our partnership with KZUM here in Lincoln and really get to, to share the good news to our Nebraska community. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're super excited and thank you for the, 
reviewers of our proposal to accept us and have us. <laughs> so kind of them. I know. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. And I mean, as always, thank you to KZUM for giving us a, a place to even talk about this stuff. You know, you know, uh, Carrie, Stefan, you know, Patrick are amazing. KZUM is an amazing local organization. I know right now they're doing their, uh, I think they're getting ready to do their funding or they're doing their yeah, their fund drives fund going drives. right now. So if you can throw, throw them some bucks. Um, they are super awesome. And this is important work that they're doing. They're, they're giving a voice to people in our community um, through the podcasting Avenue. And of course, through their ne- regular programming, but you know, you don't, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we keep these things alive and, and keep it funded and keep it nourished because it is important work. And if you don't believe me, talk to everybody from Seattle who let the Seattle Supersonics go. Yeah. They are still better. Don't don't let this be the next Supersonics. Don't. Don't make us move to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. <laughs> We're not doing it. Not going to happen. So, well, with that, thank you guys for – for sticking with us, for learning about emotional intelligence, for learning about what the actual names to Taylor Swift's new albums are. Uh, really groundbreaking information there as well. So um, we have, you know, I, we can make a promise here now to be a little bit more consistent now that we're to the, to the end of some of these big, stressful, life-altering events. Uh, so we will get back on a, on a good schedule. Uh, we do have some exciting things planned. Hopefully get some, some cool guest speakers to, to join us for some conversations in the future. So until then, cheers. Cheers.